0: Now, as you've noticed, I have invited some people up on here on the platform with me. And in just a moment, they're going to introduce themselves to you. But first, I'd like you to see that each one of them is wearing sunshine yellow. Now, not just yellow, but sunshine yellow. And I think we call it sunshine yellow because somehow it will make this color look better to us. Not many people can pull off wearing this color yellow. Now, present company excluded, you guys look great in the sunshine yellow. Not many people can do it. Now, you must have noticed over the past four weeks, a lot of people wearing sunshine yellow. There are people that are wearing t-shirts. There are people that are wearing scarves. Some people are wearing vests. These people that are wearing sunshine yellow are our volunteers. They're the volunteers that, is, that are making what's happening here at Kelvin happen. And, and, and there, did you know there are about 700 people who are wearing sunshine yellow who are volunteering? And that's not including two or 300 people volunteering. Yeah, you can clap. That's good. That's not including two or 300 more people. Who are serving in our children's ministry, and they're wearing uh, Calvary Kids lanyards around their neck. That's almost a thousand people that are volunteering here at Calvin College, and it and it is those people who are making this experience such a great experience for us because it has been great. It has been an, an there's been an energy that's been here, and clearly the Spirit has been present with us here at Calvary Church, helping us worship in this environment and experience all that this place has to offer for us. And these are the people with their smiles, with their warm welcomes, they're serving as greeters, they're serving in the information booth, they're serving in the parking lot, they're serving in the first, with the first aid team, and they're the ones that are making much of this happen and are making it such a great, great success. So what I'd like you to do, and I know you did it already, but I would like you, uh, in just a moment, to show your appreciation, but first what I'd like to have happen is I'd like you guys to introduce yourselves and tell us where you are serving. So I'm Logan, and uh, this is my wife Jessica, and we serve here as substitutes. So so far we've primarily served just through prayer for Grace Beyond, but um, as an alternate we don't really know when we're going to be serving and where we're going to be serving, but when it happens we'll be happy to do it. My name is Emily England. I'm leading a teardown team, and I'm also serving as an outdoor greeter. Hi, my name is Chrissy Wittes, and I'm happy to serve in the cafe. So each one of these four people are serving in the way that they explain to you, but it's not only them that are serving. They are representative of the thousand people that are serving and helping make this effort a success. So would you please show your appreciation to them and to everyone who's wearing yellow. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank you Now, we've just learned a bit about each one of these people, just a little bit. We learned their name and we learned where they are serving. But there's something else that I know about each one of these people and about each one of us. Our text for this morning tells us three things about everyone who is wearing sunshine yellow. First, our text for this morning tells us that each one of them are going to stand before God in judgment someday. Second, our text tells us that the fact that they are wearing sunshine yellow is an evidence of their faith. And third, someday they are going to be rewarded for wearing sunshine yellow. So now if you would, would you take your Bibles and open them up to Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2 is found on page 912 in the Bible that the church provides, and I encourage you to follow along with me this morning as we go through our text. We've been in the book of Romans for a number of weeks now. It's been about six weeks. Four of those weeks have been here at Calvin College. Remember, Romans begins with the good news that Jesus is risen. Jesus came to earth. He lived a life, a sinless life here on earth. He was put to death on a cross. He died on a cross He was put into a grave, and God raised him from the dead. And that's the good news, that Jesus is no longer dead. Jesus is alive. And because he is alive, if we put our faith and trust in him, we will also have life. Life now and life eternal. And so that's the good news that Paul is talking about here in the book of Romans. And throughout the book of Romans, Paul is working his way through fundamentals of the faith. He's working through the foundational truths of what it means to follow Jesus. Now here this morning, we're in Romans chapter 2, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 6. And today, we are going to see what God has to say about his judgment. Romans 2, verse 6. Now, if you recall, we looked at these verses last week. But this week, we want to look at another truth from these verses. Paul begins with our main point, our first point for this morning in verse 6. He writes, God will repay each person according to what they have done. The ESV says he will render to each one according to his works. Paul then continues in verse 7. To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. Then Paul reverses the order and he gives the same alternatives again because Paul wants to make sure that we get these points. So he continues in verse 9. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile, for God does not show favoritism. Then Paul concludes this section of chapter 2 by reiterating the main point. Look at verse 16. This will take place on the day when God judges people's secrets through Jesus Christ as my gospel declares. Our first point for this morning and the main point for this portion of the text in Romans is that every person will stand before God in judgment. Each one of us, for each one of us, God is going to impartially judge us He is going to judge you and He is going to judge me according to what we have done. He is going to give. He is going to repay. He is going to render to you and to me according to the works, according to the things that we have done in this life. Now, whatever this text teaches, and it teaches many things, one thing is abundantly clear and immeasurably important. One day, when your life on earth here is over and when this age has been completed, you and I, we are going to individually stand before God and He is going to repay us according to the things in this life that we have done. It says that we will either receive eternal life or wrath and anger. You will either receive honor, glory, and peace forever, or you will receive trouble and distress forever. The truth of this text, of this verse, is that either heaven or hell awaits each one of us. One day, we are going to stand before God And he is going to repay us according to what we have done. And this just isn't the Apostle Paul who says this. This isn't just found in the book of Romans. It's not just one writer. It is many writers. It is not just one book of the Bible. It is many books of the Bible. It is not just the New Testament. It is the Old Testament as well. It is the consistent message of Scripture that one day each one of us are going to stand before God as our judge. And he is going to evaluate our lives and repay for us what we have done good or bad. Now, this list of verses isn't exclusive, and it isn't completely comprehensive, but it does demonstrate this truth throughout Scripture. And I'd like you to see these verses for yourselves. We begin in Jeremiah, in chapter 17, and the writer Jeremiah says about the Lord, I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct according to what their deeds deserve. Jeremiah says about God, you reward each person according to their conduct and as their deeds deserve. In Ezekiel, God says, but I will judge each of you according to your own ways. In Matthew, it says, for the Son of Man, Jesus, is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. In 2 Corinthians, Paul writes, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. In Galatians, it says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. In Ephesians, it says, "'Let no one deceive you with empty words, "'for because of such things God's wrath "'comes on those who are disobedient.'" And then in Revelation 22, verse 12, one of the last verses in all of the Bible, it says, Jesus says, look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. Jesus promises to give to each person according to what they have done. The consistent Here's the first point, the consistent and uniform teaching of our text this morning and of all of Scripture is that God is going to judge each one of us according to what we have done, according to our works. Now at this point, some of you are wondering, some of you are wondering if I or the Apostle Paul is suggesting that we are saved by what we do. You're wondering, am I saved, am I given salvation by the works that I accomplished? The technical question is, is am I justified? That's the technical theological term, which means made right with God. Am I justified, am I made right with God by my works? Is this just works-based salvation? The answer is no. No. This is not works-based salvation. That is not what Paul is suggesting here. Paul knows that we are saved through the grace of God when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, when we believe in Jesus, when we believe he is who he says he is and he does what he says he does. That is how we are saved. We are not saved by our works. We are not saved by the, things we would, by the things we do. Because if we were, Paul would be contradicting himself. Because later, Paul explains salvation through God's grace by our faith in Jesus. Turn to Romans 3 verse 22. Look what Paul writes in Romans 3 verse 22. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. In verse 28, Paul continues, for we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from observing the law. The focus on faith is even clearer. Turn to Romans 4 verse 5. Romans 4 verse 5, however, to the one who does not work but trusts God who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. So our faith unites us with Jesus before we do any good works. And again in Romans 5, verse 1, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So justification... Our being right with God, our having salvation, is through our faith, not according to our works, not according to anything that we have done. So what is it that Romans 2, verses 6 through 11, is saying to us this morning? How does Romans 2 and the message of Romans 2 fit together with justification By faith. The point is this eternal life is not earned by the merit of our good works. Eternal life is not earned by anything that we can do. Our eternal life is given to us by God when we put our faith, when we put our trust, when we give our lives to Jesus. God gives us eternal life as a free gift and He forgives all of our sins when Romans 2 verse 6 says that there will be a judgment according to what we have done and verse 7 says that eternal life is given to those who persist in doing good, the meaning is that the faith that justifies, the faith that saves, always produces good works. In other words, genuine saving faith always results in a life of good works. Good works are not the basis of our salvation. Good works are the evidence of our salvation. Good good works, the good things we do, are the evidence that we have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and God has justified us. That's why Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, Verse eight through 10, look what Paul writes here. He says, for it is by grace you have been saved. God's gift, the grace is what saves you through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. First God gives us salvation when we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Then our good works are the evidence that God has justified us. Our good works do not earn us salvation, but they are the essential evidence that we are on the path to glory, to honor, and to immortality. Our good works Are the evidence that we will present to Jesus and He will then show to God, to the Father, that justifies God's verdict of righteousness in our lives. Our works are judged, our works are evaluated, and your works reveal what is in your heart. Because if Jesus is in your heart and you have chosen to put your faith in Him and your trust in Him and you are living your life for Him, what is in your heart will be revealed in the work that you do. And that is an evidence of that truth. That is why I said about all the people wearing sunshine yellow, the fact that they are wearing sunshine yellow is an evidence Of their faith in Jesus Christ. Each one of us is going to stand before God someday and we are going to be repaid according to what we have done. We will be judged, we will be evaluated. The good works that we do in this life are an evidence of the faith that we have put in Jesus Christ. And then third, everybody wearing sunshine yellow? someday is going to receive a reward for wearing sunshine yellow. And they deserve it. because It is not the prettiest color. Everyone is going to receive a reward. Not only those wearing sunshine yellow, but each one of us who demonstrate our faith in Jesus Christ through our good works. Each one of us are going to be rewarded for the works that we have done for Jesus. Now, you can look at this teaching, and you can look at the the fact that someday we are going to be judged, and you can look at it, and you can think to yourself, oh, no, I am going to be judged for this life. I know, because I did that this past week. But the alternative way to look at this message is to say and to think to yourself, oh, yes! Yes! I am going to be repaid for every good work and good thing I did in my life. That Jesus is going to recognize every good thing that I did and someday on that day of judgment when I stand before him, he's going to repay me for that. So you can look at it and say, oh no. Or you can look at it and say, oh yeah. Someday I'm going to be repaid. God is going to reward me. Charles Spurgeon, the 19th century, great 19th century preacher, categorized good works. And he put good works into four categories. He said there are works of obedience, there are works of love, there are works of faith, and there are works of common good, acts of common goodness. Spurgeon had these four categories. Works of obedience were were, were things that you do in obeying God. God tells you to do something, and you obey and do it. Or Scripture tells you to do something, and you obey and do it. For that, you will be rewarded. Spurgeon identified works of love, and this is the love we demonstrate for God and the love that we demonstrate for others, and it's typically through sacrifice when we show someone or we show God that we love him. Those works will be rewarded. There's also works of faith. When we put our reliance, when we put our trust on God, when we don't see how things are going to work out and we think that things are going in the wrong direction, but we know God, we put our faith in God and we act on that faith and we act on that trust. Spurgeon called those works of faith, and then he said there were also acts of common good, the idea that we live our lives on a daily basis, seeking after and pursuing God in our life, at home, at work, even on the sickbed, where we recognize that God's in control, and in those situations, I am going to do all the good for Christ that I can possibly do. Works of obedience, works of love, works of faith, acts of common good. And here's the thing. If you obeyed, if you loved, if you have faith, if you do good things, God is going to reward you. If you have lived your life for Jesus, if you have sacrificed for Jesus, if you've obeyed, if you've loved, if you've had faith, if you have done these things, on the day of Christ Jesus, you are going to stand before Him and He is going to say, Great job! I'm going to repay you for everything. That you've done for me and in my name. The key phrase in verse 6 is that he is going to repay according to what you have done, which means that everybody's reward, everybody's repayment is not the same. People don't, we do not equally obey. We do not equally love. We do not equally have faith. We do not equally perform acts of common goodness. And therefore, that the rewards that God gives to us are not going to be equal. The rewards are going to vary. You will be judged. Someday you will stand before God and he will be evaluating you and all of your good works are evidence of your faith and you will be rewarded for every good thing you have done. Nothing will be forgotten. This is how John Bunyan, this is what John Bunyan wrote from prison. He was writing Pilgrim's Progress and this is what he wrote. Whatever good thing you do for him, if done according to the word, is laid up for you as treasure chests and coffers to be brought out to be rewarded before both men and angels to your eternal comfort. Oh, yay. God is going to reward me for everything that I've done in this life. So where does it leave us this morning? What does it mean for us this morning? I know that this can be a difficult teaching. I know that this is hard to think through. I know it can even be scary. I know those things because this past week as I was studying, it was difficult for me. It was uncomfortable for me, it was scary. For me, and I'm looking at my life in the past and I'm evaluating and I'm thinking to myself, oh wow. I know that some of you are looking at your lives and thinking, oh wow. But the point of this is to convict and to encourage because God is going to reward you, He is going to repay you for every good thing you have done. So, the point of this morning is this. This is the takeaway. This life matters. This life has value, purpose, and meaning. It has value, purpose, and meaning, not just for now, but for the eternal. There are consequences that we face now for our choices, and there will be consequences that we face or receive later for our choices, because this life matters. I think many times we ask ourselves, we think to ourselves, well, well, why? Why should I do these things that the Bible says? Why should I not do these things that the Bible says? I asked Jesus into my heart when I was a kid. I'm a Christian. Why do I have to be concerned what I do with my time, with my money, with my possessions? I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. Why not have the best of both worlds? Now most of us would not ask those questions out loud. But we often think them. We often think in our minds that we can have the best of both worlds. And the problem is that we have a lack of motivation. Because we don't really believe that what we do in this life matters for eternity. Because if we believed it in the depths of our being, our lives would be radically different because we ask ourselves, why do I need to be so radical? It's all going to work itself out in the wash anyway. The problem is, it doesn't work itself all out in the wash. Every one of us is going to stand before God in judgment. Your good works are an evidence of your faith, and you are going to be rewarded for those good works. Now, there's an illustration that I'd like to close with, and I think it will drive home the point. It'll help you understand better. If you're a visual learner like I am, it will help you grasp this whole text. Bend your knees when you pick things up. They asked me earlier this morning if I needed help picking this up. That says something about what they think about my strength. Just kidding, it's not that heavy. So think about this board, think about this plank. Think about this plank as your life, as a life. Maybe it's your life, maybe it's my life. But we're going to think about this board as a life, and we're going to think about it as Hannah's life. This is Hannah's life that stands before us. And so follow along with me as we kind of run through Hannah's life. Hannah received Jesus Christ at 10 years old. She put her faith and she put her trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of her sin. She declared that he was her Lord and her Savior and that she was going to live her life for him. At 11 years old, Hannah was in church one Sunday and she was listening to the needs of a missionary couple in her church and she f- believed that God was asking her to give the money that she had been saving for an American girl Dow. and she, a- she believed that God was asking her to give it to the mission fund. So, Hannah gives the money to the mission fund at her church and God records it. In high school, Hannah ends up making friends with with an individual who has Down syndrome. An individual that's marginalized by most people, marginalized by much of society, but but Hannah became friends with this individual, with this person who had Down syndrome, and in fact, they became best of friends. Hannah was a friend to the person with Down syndrome, and the Down syndrome was a friend to Hannah, and they became best of friends. But because many people marginalize people with special needs, many of her friends, many of Hannah's friends, we're no longer her friends, but, but God saw, and God recorded. In college, Hannah, Hannah had a serious boyfriend, and her boyfriend, they loved each other. But Hannah recognized the importance of purity, and Hannah and her boyfriend remained pure because Hannah believed that more blessing was to come later if she remained pure now, and she obeyed God, and, and God recorded it. She gives her money to the mission fund. She's a friend, a person who needs a friend. In college, she lives her life for Christ. When she graduates from college, she begins to pursue her career, and she begins to pursue her career for her own means and for her own purposes and for her own acclaim, and she seeks monetary reward. She seeks her in pursuing her selfish desires, and God records it. Later in life, Hannah decides that it, is, that it is important to spend time with young women at her church and she begins mentoring young women at her church, spending time with them, teaching them what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ and, and God records that. Later, Hannah ends up serving on various committees and spending time helping lead her church in the direction of Christ-likeness for the individual and great worship for the congregation. And then finally, later in life, Hannah recognizes the plight of trafficked women, and she believes that God is calling her to help demonstrate the hope of Jesus Christ to women who are abused and marginalized and are trafficked throughout the world. So Hannah quits her job, and she moves to Europe, and she begins offering hope to those who have no hope. And God records it. Hannah's life, it's a beautiful beautiful life. And she's standing before Christ and she demonstrates, she shows Christ this life and there's an evidence of her faith. And God has recorded all this and He is going to reward it. 1 Corinthians 3 says this, it says, it says, there it is. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, Even though only as one escaping through the flames. You see, what happens on the day of judgment is that Jesus is standing in front of Hannah and he looks at her life and he lights the flames. Jesus lights them better than me. He lights the flames and the flames cross over her friendship and it survives. The flames cross over her obedience and purity, and it survives. The flames cross over her gift to the ministry. Her flames come to her self-seeking, self-aggrandizing pursuit of accumulation of things, and the flames burn them up. When it comes to her life of commitment, the flames pass by. When it comes to her commitment to the marginalized women who are trafficked, the flames do not burn it up. And so what happens is is Hannah presents her life to Jesus Christ. And the things that she did, the sin, the self-pursuit, the pursuit and accumulation, the use of her time in the way that she wanted, it's no longer there because Jesus died on the cross and your sins are forgiven and they're remembered no more. Right? They're gone. So what she presents, what she presents to God is a beautiful life that God has recorded and God rewards for what you do. Yay! He is going to repay you. You are going to be rewarded. But this life could look a whole lot different. Hannah still receives Jesus at 10 years old. Hannah still gives the missions offering, the money that she had saved the American Girl doll and it is recorded by God. But when Hannah got to high school, she decided to make friends with only the people that could make her look good. She decided to make friends with only the popular people, the people that would make her more popular. And she didn't think about the marginalized individuals, those who needed friends, those who could actually be a great friend to her as well, but she thought about herself and she made friends accordingly. When she was in college, she and her boyfriend, they loved each other. And because they loved each other so much, they decided that it would be a good idea to move into each, in together with each other, and they began living together. And they ended up sleeping together. And God records that. After she graduates from college, she pursues wealth, riches, acclaim. She wants every single promotion she could have, and she works towards those without Thought about anything else. Later on in life, the desire for things continues and it grows and it becomes all encompassing. Hannah ends up buying a Mercedes. Now, don't send me an email. I bought a Mercedes once too. I'm not saying it's a sin. Maybe it's a sin. Maybe it's not a sin. But I know God's not going to reward you for it. Then finally in life, later in her life, Hannah spends time reading, studying her Bible, and putting those truths in application and serving and mentoring young women. And God records that. On the day of judgment... The flames come out and giving to the mission fund survives. Her self-pursuit of friends that benefit her, her impurity in college, her pursuit of the job, her accumulation, her purchase of the Mercedes, they're burnt up. The mentoring young women remains. question this morning which life do you want to present to Jesus someday you're going to look in his eyes you're going to look in his eyes the dead time the sin it's gone but that life has a lot of open space so the choice is do you want to present a lot of open space or do you want to obey do you want to love Do you want to have faith? Do you want to have acts of common good that you can present to Jesus, that you can show him the beautiful life that you lived for him in obedience, in love, in faith, and in goodness? This is the life that we have the opportunity to present to Jesus because someday you are going to stand before Him and all of this will be an evidence of your faith and you will be rewarded for everything good you have done for Jesus. Oh, yeah. Some of us here this morning have needed to feel conviction. And I hope you have. But more than all of that, I hope this morning you see the encouragement in this message. Because if you are giving your life to and for Jesus, he is going to reward you. And he is going to reward you beyond all, all of your expectations. Live your life for him because it matters.